Amen. So this is Easter season. What we do at Mission Church, for those of you that are new, is we do three weeks of Easter. So this would be the first week. Next week, it will be my pleasure from this pulpit, by the grace of God, to share with people that Jesus is alive, that he has paid for your sins. And John says, for all who believe can become children of God. Really, really big deal. Now, um, some of y'all know uh, who Paul Harvey is. He used to have a radio show back in the day, and it was called The Rest of the Story. And why it was called The Rest of the Story, and he would say it in a real funny voice, I'm not going to try it, but he would give you some iconic person, man or woman, and then he would tell the backstory of who they were and what they did, and it would, it would always bolster my understanding and comprehension of that person. So today, before we get to the best stuff next week, this week I want to do some backstory stuff and explain to you guys what happened the week before uh, the resurrection, what happened. Uh, and in that process, we'll see that the closest people to Jesus still didn't get it. So if in some place in your search for Christ right now, you find yourself failing or missing the mark or not quite getting it, there's hope for you. Because the same men that we see don't get it this week are the same men that gave the rest of their lives to spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. All of them were murdered uh, except John, who they boiled him in oil. They tried to kill him. So um, before I do that, let me just clear the air about one thing. I can just confess to you, this past week, I was, I was phenomenally angry and sad and angry. And sad. I, I was angry that innocent lives were lost. And, 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 and since, since school shootings have become a thing and mass shootings have continued to ramp up, I'm, I'm angry and sad every time I hear about it. Uh, I was angry that online there was more debate about preference than there was lament and sorrow for parents of nine-year-olds and grown kids of 60-year-olds. Uh, I was sad that our, our government chose to politicize it. I think the thing that made me the most angry, though, was that I couldn't do anything about it. Now, frustration is a source of a lot of anger. When you are in a position where you see a problem, you see an issue, you see some type of evil, and let's be clear about what happened. It was demonic, evil action. That's not me being religious. That's me telling you the truth. That the enemy hates the church because the church is the bride, is the body of Christ. Okay? That's what happened there. And every school shooting has been evil and demonic. And violence on that level is always evil and demonic. So I was frustrated that I couldn't do anything about it. And then this passage that I'm studying right here, and we'll be in Luke 22, 24 through 30. Just bless my socks off. And I'll tell you this. As you study scripture, as you really open up the word and you're not going to it to grab a little something for your day, you're not, you're not retrofitting scripture to your platform and your calling. When you're coming under the authority of the whole word of God, it will pertain to your life all the time. You'll read some scripture and like, holy cow, that's exactly connected with what I'm doing right now. Oh my gosh, that's my family's situation. So let, let me just encourage you. Get into the word of God. It'll change your life. 
Discipleship groups we have here, if you're new, they will change your life. We have 50 plus groups of people, same gender, that meet all over the city just to study the word of God, not to study political affiliation or preference or ideology or why you like sushi or why you don't. Like none of that happens, okay? We focus on the word of God and that's the changer. That's the game changer. So here's a little bit of background. Uh, Palm Sunday today. Uh, next Sunday, we, it represents when Jesus, uh, when the tomb is empty, and, and remember Mary Magdalene goes to see him. Uh, she has a rough history. Purposefully, God designs a woman to see him first. Why? Because women are important and equal and valuable and made in God's image. That's the reason. Okay, she has a wonderful interchange with him. We may talk about that next week, but let's, let's go back, tell the, the rest of the story. Palm Sunday, Jesus comes into Jerusalem lauded as the king. And the reason was is because he is the king. See, people had heard about him for about three, three and a half years. He had spoken. He had performed miracles almost everywhere he went and it spread like wildfire what he said and how he did it. Okay, so he's come in, he's, he's praised and honored by the people. That's Palm Sunday. The next day, and they're staying outside of Jerusalem. They're walking back into the city and Jesus sees a, a fig tree and he goes over to the fig tree and there's no fruit on it. And Jesus literally curses the tree. And I'm sure in the moment, the disciples are going, that was a little weird. But we've seen a lot of interesting things in the past three and a half years. So they go into the city. The next day, they're coming back towards the fig tree, and it's withered. Now, this does not mean that, like, oh, a few leaves turn brown or whatever. Like, the tree was done. And the reason why the tree was done is because the tree was created by the creator, and Jesus is the creator. It's his tree. And what he's teaching his disciples on that day is that faith is a powerful thing. Now, where faith has been sequestered in our culture today, is that it's an emotional thing. It's a good Hallmark movie. You know, anybody watch Hallmark movie? A lot of you ladies do. A lot of you men do. You won't fess up to it right now, but you do. If you're smart and you're married, uh, you watch them. And you're like, these two couple, they're unreconciled, but they're going to get back together in the end of the movie and live happily ever after. That's basically the modern day definition of faith. It's a feel good thing. It's not a feel good thing. It makes you feel good after the fact of its powerfulness. Faith moves mountains. Faith heals people. Faith changes marriages. Faith saves children. Faith does all kinds of wonderful things. That's what Jesus was teaching his disciples. That was Monday and Tuesday. Wednesday, what happens is Judas Iscariot, who is the disciples treasurer, um, he goes and makes a deal with the Sanhedrin because think about it. They weren't in a day of social media. They didn't know where the leaders were. Judas comes to the Pharisees who are murderous, demonic, horrible, racist leaders and says to them, I know where he's going to be. Like if you're looking to take him and what they wanted to do is they wanted to take Jesus when nobody was around because the people actually loved him. And so Judas goes and makes this deal with them. And here's what we know about G Judas. People ask me all the time. Um, well, was, was Judas like, was he, a, was he a Christian? Did he go to heaven or hell? 
We, we don't know that peace. What we do know, Scripture never records Judas calling Jesus Lord. It does record him calling him rabbi. So he, he knew that he was a teacher. He knew that he knew the word. He knew that there was something enigmatic about him that was powerful, but he never calls him rabbi. We also know from Scripture that he stole from their, their coffers, their savings. Bottom line, G Judas, in this moment that we see, did not believe that Jesus was the Christ or he wouldn't have done it. So what happens after that point, I can't really tell you. He kills himself later. Uh, and scripture has some very hard words about him. That happens Wednesday. So uh, this horrible event happens Wednesday. And then Thursday is the Last Supper. This is where we get communion from, for those of y'all that are new to church. So last supper, Jesus appoints this room where he's going to have a private party for his disciples. I think probably some family members were there. I'm not sure, but that's, that's kind of how Jesus ran his whole, his whole ministry. He was about the family. And so in this upper room, when they get there, he is classified as rabbi, which was the top, which, top of the heap for the Jewish uh, culture. And they get there and Jesus has taken off his outer garment. He's still clothed, but he has a basin of water and a towel and he begins to wash their feet, which it just wasn't done. Like Jesus wasn't among some rabbis that did this. He was the only one. And remember again, he wasn't only a rabbi. He was the creator. He was God. And he's showing his people when he comes in, I'll take the worst job in the house and I'll do that for my father's glory and your greater good. He sits them down at a table. Who is there with them at the table? All 12, including Judas. And he feeds them. He washes Judas's feet too, by the way. And then he has a meal with them and he presents the wine to them at the beginning of a meal. And then he presents the bread. This is my body broken for you. And then what does he do? He excuses Judas to go do what he's been called to do. And then he lifts up the wine and that representation uh, embodies his blood. And that's when he talks about that. Um, Jesus offers a new covenant through this blood that happened on Thursday. This takes us to the scripture today. They're about ready to head to the Garden of Gethsemane. Some of y'all know the story there. We may talk about that next week. But this is what happens, hear me, at the table. Remember what's happened. Miracle, incredible events all week, culminating after a three, three and a half year run of phenomenal life, exhortation of God, miracles, scripture, spirit driven. Some of them have seen him in his godly state. Here's what happens right afterwards. Verse 24. Then a dispute also arose among them about who should be considered the greatest. Like what? Do you, what? Like all week long, you've seen him make much of people. All week long, you've seen his authority and power. You've seen him now, you're putting together that Judas, oh my goodness, he's, he's doing something that's not, why did he leave? You're seeing these things and your question after Jesus, your leader, your rabbi, doing unprecedented action of washing your feet, your question is, yeah, yeah, I see other things. But Jesus, who's going to be the greatest? That's, that's the response. And I, honestly, church, I think, 
I think we're guilty of some of this too. I think, I think we say yes to the gospel. We say yes to the truth of Jesus. We say yes to his authority. We say yes to his commandments, his principles, his precepts, all the things. And then we protest them. Which makes sense that we're called Protestants, right? Think about it. All right? Where are we? And I'll ask this question in the front, and I'll ask about it again. Who, who do you believe is the greatest? That's the question. Verse 25. But he said to them, so they're asking who's going to be the greatest. And, and, and in their minds, they're being moral. They're being ethical. They're under his power. But they're asking still like, yeah, yeah I mean, we're at the top, right? But he said to them, Jesus said, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them. The kings of those that aren't Jewish outside their little Jewish microcosm, the Greeks, the Romans, they lord this over their people. And those who have authority over them have themselves called benefactors. Uh, he's saying that uh, poor leaders come up with pompous names for themselves and they have others call them that. Why? Because they're at the top. They're number one. Same thing, the disciples are asking who's going to be number one. So in this right here, we see a few principles that I want you to think about is proper leadership uh, uh, and false leadership. And the false leadership is what the whole world will high five you on. If you do those things, the first items we're going to list, the world will be like, yeah, 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 do that, do that. First one is this, leadership is not to be used for a personal platform. Look at me. It's never, it's never to be used for that. If anybody could have done that, it was Jesus. And he was very clear in the synoptics and John that he was God. It wasn't like, well, I'm not sure. I'm not going to tell you yet. He, he said it all the time. I am God. And yet his lifestyle was one of service. Leadership is to be used to focus on other needs. Not look at me. Look to the need. Don't look at me at what I'm saying. Um, join me in looking at the problem we're trying to face together. This works in a family setting. This works in a corporate setting. This works in a nonprofit setting, in a church setting. It works in a neighborhood setting. It works in any setting that there are people. Romans 12.10, I, I put the, this in the ESV. I said it, I think it sounded better. We, we teach out of the CSB here. Here's what Paul says. Uh, who was also a teacher. He was also a rabbi, but he was not God. He says this, love one another with brotherly, with, with filial affection. Brother, sister, love, care. Second part of the verse, outdo one another in showing honor. Like it doesn't say, do a pretty good job of it. Hey, you decide what's right. It says to outdo one another. Now, um, a lot of y'all are not going to know this one either, but uh, it's the only thing that came to my mind at the 8.30. There was a cartoon series called uh, Two Little Chipmunks called Chippendale. Do y'all remember them? And they talked really fast, like they drank too much Americanos or something. And they had a real high voice, super funny. And what they would do is they would honor one another back and forth. You're the best. No, you're the best. You're the best. You're good. You're And your chipmunk lingo, okay? They would just speak about one another all the time. That is kind of... What Paul is saying here is that you're governing right now your care for others. Well, you know, last week I did take in my neighbor's trash cans. Well, you know, two weeks ago, 
We helped my mother-in-law out. It says to outdo one another. That this should be, if you're competitive, this should be your competition. That every day you're like, how can I serve today? How can I take care of people with no strings attached? How can I care for my boss who's a jerk? How can I care for my coworker that I don't even like? How can I serve my sibling that I've been separated from a long time? How can I care for my mother even though she won't stop talking? How can I love this child who's incorrigible? This is it right here. We outdo one another in showing honor. So what you're doing in in that moment is you're not platforming yourself. You're platforming the person. And this is what we're called to do. Number two, leadership is not to be used to elevate power, which is I'm greater than you. Um, hey, I'm your benefactor. Call me your benefactor. No, it's, it's leadership is to be used to work together in the body. You are greater than me. So if you, if you're a leader and you lead in your work, parents, y'all do, you should lead at home. Your kids should not be the leaders in your home. You should be. If you have questions about that, come see me, come see our elders. We'd love to help you with that. Like you're called to be the leaders. If you're a leader, uh, you are kind of the tip of the spear in whatever organization you're in. So people are going to follow you. But what you need to encourage them to follow you is who you're following. So if you're following your own personal agenda, guess what you will raise your children to do? To make their own agenda. Guess if politics are the top of your preference and desire, you will raise your children to be political and just political and everything else will line under, up under the politic or your cultural norm or your preference, your tribe, whatever. Like if you're a leader, you're leading to Jesus. I, I still, and if any of y'all have them, you want to bring me one, I'll take it. The WWJD bracelets, that's just the best question ever. It is, right? What would Jesus do? Would Jesus watch this? Would Jesus go here? Would Jesus say that? Would Jesus respond that way? It's a clarifier for everything. All right? So if you're a leader, you're called to learn how to work together. Why? So we can obey the head. And who is the head? Jesus. So we're looking constantly in community of family and even in your workplace. Even in your workplace. If it's pagan as the day is long, you're still called to lead to Christ. If they fire you, you're still called to lead to Christ. But you know, maybe somebody gets saved in the process and that makes your firing worth it. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, Paul wrote this to the church in Corinth, which was a crazy church. It wasn't a decent, sweet, nice church. It was, it was nuts. You can read about that. Here's what Paul says. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. Paul does not say, now you have been saved by Jesus to be your best self. Now you've been saved by Jesus. Now go and do what you want to and the Trinity will follow you. You are the body of Christ, an individual, you're members of it. So we have membership around the globe and all through time that is connected to the head, which is Jesus Christ. Uh, Third leadership principle right here. Leadership is not to be used for domination. Just do what I say. Please don't raise your hands. But how many of us have had bad bosses that have elevated themselves in the workplace, a lot of times because of stress and pressure, maybe because their bosses are, are bad, that they get into this little 
hierarchy of domination to where you begin to get a little afraid of them and they make you do because they're the ones that sign your paychecks. Uh, Don't do that. Leadership is to be used for the subjugation of self, which means do what I do. Well, do what I tell you to do. Do do what what I'm doing and join me in this process because we're a part of something that is bigger than ourselves. So in private sector, how this works when you're working with pagan people, when they ask you and they will, when you're living for Christ, they will ask you, why are you different? If they're not asking you why you're not different, it's probably because you're not different. You have to address that. And it doesn't mean you're this person. It just means we're driven by a different motive. And we have a purpose and we have a calling and you can't keep it inside. It bubbles up. It bubbles over. So uh, yesterday, I'm walking in to a Starbucks, on, one of the Starbucks on 21. And um, I'm walking in and I see two police cruisers pull up. And um, I pay my taxes now and I have kids. And, but I, there was a time when I struggled with the law, okay? And I, when I would see policemen, I'm like, mm. my wife's like, what's the problem? I'm like, don't, oh, they're looking at us now. Don't do that. So I'm walking in and there's police right there. And I'm like, mm, should I open the door? Maybe I should have been, may arrest me. If I don't open the door, I need to open the door. No, I'm, I got there before them. It was real awkward. I got in line and the Lord was like, um, first I want you to buy them coffee. I'm like, that's a good idea. Cause if you buy them coffee, they're not going to arrest me. <laughs> and that is a better motivation. <laughs> so I'm already ready to buy them coffee in missions name, uh, for the sake of Jesus. And I hear them talking. One's like, well, what are you going to do? Like you need a marriage counselor or something. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. So I bought my coffee and I turned to the officers and I said, uh, Hey, I just want to get you guys coffee. Like, oh, thank you so much. Um, hey, I overheard that you were looking for a marriage counselor. The, the cop said, I'm about to retire in two weeks. I'm getting married next Saturday. The, uh, the guy that was going to do our marriage just called me and said he has COVID and I don't know what to do. <laughs> I said, I happen to know a guy. I said, I... I think I'm going to check my calendar. I'll get back to you, but I, I'll, I'll do, I can do your wedding. And so, listen, if our leadership is, stru- is structured in a way to where we just want people to do what we say, you will, you will not hear things and you will not see things that the Lord is doing all around you. But if your job and your calling is, I just want to serve. I know that when I serve, something happens in me. It makes me smile more. It makes me feel valuable at night. Like my self-worth goes up. I'm not serving others so they will serve me. I'm just serving because Christ has served me. If that's your process, you're going to see and experience all kinds of things around you you haven't seen. And you get to do fun stuff like a policeman's wedding, okay? It's gonna have to give me street cred with the cops, I'm sure. I'm gonna put it on the back of my car. Paul says this, although I'm free from all and not anyone's slave, you've been set free by Christ. You're not bound to your old lifestyle. You're not bound to your sin state. You're not bound to all the bad choices you made. You're free in Christ. That's what next Sunday is about. You are free, Paul says this second part of the verse. 
I have made myself a slave to everyone in order to win more people. To what? Your platform? No, your savior. You're, you're, you're winning people to the one that has saved you. You're bringing people to Christ, not your stinking platform. And it's just a beautiful thing. And so I'm already, what the officer doesn't know is I'm going to share the gospel in, in their wedding. And I'm going to sit down and have coffee with him and tell him that Jesus loves him. Because I'm not ashamed because he saved me and he loves me and he loves you. We have good news. Jesus goes on in 26 of Luke, says this. It is not to be like that among you. The leadership that you see in the world, this is not to be you. Don't do that. On the contrary, whoever is greatest among you should become like the youngest. Notice he doesn't say who's the greatest should become the least greatest or the not, he says the youngest. And whoever leads like the one serving. So how should we lead? Two ways that Jesus says that we're to serve and lead right here. If you have a leadership position, be like you were when you were young Christian. All right, so I'm just talking to Christians in the room. Statistically, we have non-Christians in here. You're welcome. We're so glad you're here. We, we have no judgment for you because outside of Christ, we're condemned ourselves. We just want to love, serve, and answer you. But I'm talking to believers right now. Do you remember what it was like when you were first saved? When you got saved in that moment, just fire fell from heaven and baptized your heart and your eyes were open and you knew that Jesus was the Christ. You knew that he had forgiven you. In that next moment, you, you, you didn't respond like, how can I lust more? How can I lie more? How can I make more money? Your response in that next moment was like, whatever you want, it's yours anyway. Whatever you want. And you talk that way and you live that way and you gave money away and you gave food away and you gave time away. And then, and then life begins to insert its ugly variables. And we begin to compromise that time. And we take jobs with companies we shouldn't because they're unethical. And we believe in systems based on our preferences instead of God's precepts. And leverage begins to happen. So what Jesus is saying to the disciples who had seen firsthand who he was and what he was calling them to do for three plus years, their response is, hey, how can I be great? Jesus is like, this is how you choose to be great. Get back to that second that your eyes were open. Get back to the beginning. Go back to your roots and restart this process. Because you've added variables to your spiritual life that are not from me. And you want to you get free, right? Like my, I'm from North Carolina. My dad and I hiked the Appalachian Trail. And that is how you say it. It's not Appalachian, it's Appalachian. I'm a hillbilly. I know these things. We would hike on the trail. And when you hike on the trail, you want minimum weight because you're going someplace. In our Christian life, we want minimum spiritual weight. We need to become more minimalistic in terms of our spirituality today. Our walk with Christ. You need less things to go someplace. If you carry everything that you believe and you think and that you feel and you emote about, you don't go, you don't, you're not on the pathway to taking good news to people. So this is the passage, um, 
that my kids learned on Sassidi. Uh, Those of y'all who don't know what a CD is, a round disc, you just stick it in, it has some music on it. Um, they learned this first, 1 Timothy 4.12. But it's so applicable to you and I today as we're called by Jesus to go back to the beginning. Don't let anyone despise your youth, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct in love and faith and impurity. If you haven't seen Jesus' revolution yet, this is not the pastor telling you. It's just the person. Our whole family went to see it last week. It is awesome. It's coming back to the simplicity that Christ has saved. Therefore, we need to be about the process of winning other people to salvation. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. Don't let anyone despise you. Set an example in what ways? In your conduct. How you act matters. How you support your political party matters. How you speak matters. In love, how you love matters. Love again is not a warm feeling. It's an active verb. You got to prove it. You can't say, love you, dude, and not follow through on that. You can't tell your children, I love you, and not sacrifice for them. You can't tell your spouse, I love you, and not prove it, regardless of what they do. You're called to love. And impurity. Um, it's a powerful passage. Number two, be a servant to those you lead. Best, my favorite type of leaders that I've been around are constantly looking to see how they can serve me. And for a while, I think when I was in corporate world and I had one or two leaders that did that, I was like, well, you're just trying to pull more work out of me. You're trying to incentivize me. That's the, that's the, the corporate speak for um, bribery. <laughs> okay, that's really what it is. Um, and, and I would think that, but there were really some leaders that are like, no, regardless of what you do, I just wanted to care for you. I just wanted to serve you. Be a servant to those you lead. Why? Jesus says this, for who is greater? And he gives a, a beautiful example. The one at the table or the one serving? Isn't it the one at the table? So let me tell you, back in the day when I was private sector, if I was at a lunch with a business associate, and they were all glad handing me and being nice because they wanted my business. And then the waiter or waitress would come to the table and they were rude to that person. I was done. I was done. Because in that moment, what they're saying is, I'm more important because you're serving me. That's the worldly standard, right? The one who serves is less than. The one who is served is obviously greater. Godly standard. The one who demands service because of their because they're a benefactor or because they're rich or because they're paying the check. The one who demands service is the lesser than. The one who serves greater. So in God's economy, like where do we want to be? If you're wired like me, I want to please those that are over me. And so this was very convicting this week. Like am I serving right now for my platform or am I serving for God's glory? Am I serving with no strings attached? Jesus then goes on, rest of verse 27, but I among you as the one who serves. Jesus saying, I've told you who I am. I'm God, I'm the creator, I'm the savior, and I serve you. I served you tonight. You were those who stood by me in my trials, I bestow on you a kingdom just as my father bestowed one on me so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and you will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. 
a lot of conjecture about verse 30. What we do know to be true is that Jesus, who is God, is the chief servant. And so if you and I are just a created by definition and default, who are we called to be? Servants. Servants. Jesus clarifies there will be a new kingdom um, and that they will be a part of it. We don't know in what way. We don't know in what way we're going to be a part of it. We do know that when you're saved by the grace of God through the blood of Jesus, it is a permanent thing and you are forever saved. And those of you that have been saved, there may need to be just a redirection right now. Like, I've been saved by the blood of God. I know him. I believe in Jesus. I confess him. Lord, but I'm kind of like the disciples right now. I'm trying to elevate myself, though I'm doing it morally and ethically. I'm trying to, you know, kind of like get in a position of power so I can have, I'm tired of doing what people say. I want to tell people what to do. Though I'm doing it morally and ethically, so the world's going to look at me and say it's okay. God is going to look at you and me and say, if you did good moral ethical things in your own name, depart from me. I've never known you. That's dangerous. So application for this season. Super simple. A lot of us, Easter, you don't have to raise your hands. I'll see it in your eyes. A lot of us, Easter is pressure, right? Because of family. Some of us have great family. Some of us have other family. Okay? And so next weekend, you're like, uh, all right, let's go. Okay, kids, smiley face. We can do this. And you're going to go in and try to do the thing. Listen, it's a giant opportunity for you to serve. It's not a giant opportunity for you to try to figure out things. You don't need to figure out things. If if there's jerks in your family, there's jerks in your family. They're probably not going to stop miraculously before this Sunday. All right? But what it is, a simple calling for you to do. It's like, I'm going to go serve. I'm going to go serve my sibling that I do not like right now. I'm going to go serve my mother and my dad or my auntie or my tia or whoever. Just serve and serve and outdo them with honor. It'll make the car ride home a lot better. All right? If you just go in trying to, you know, protect yourself and guard yourself, you just go home, you'll feel guarded. You'll feel the same way. But if like when you're a new believer, you just lay it all out. You're going to walk away from next weekend, from this holiday season, empty of yourself and full of Christ. That's how you're going to sleep if you want to sleep. Uh, And here's the last thing for for you and me. It's a question I asked you at the beginning of the sermon. Who's the greatest? If your life is one of preference and demand, you are. If your life is just one of pouring it out, Lord, I don't know, uh, I don't have any left, but uh, it's all yours anyway, then Jesus is. You got to prove it. You got you to, we, we have to show. Scripture says they'll know we're Christians by our what? By our outflow of love, and love is a verb, it is active always. Amen? Let's pray. Uh, communion team, y'all come on down. Those of y'all that are visiting, thanks for being here. Uh, those of you who are new, may call mission your church. Come down. I'd love to meet you afterwards. Um, we're, we're thankful. We are thankful. It's an honor to have you here. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, uh, as we go to...
your communion table, realizing that when you uh, led your disciples in, in first communion, first observation, the Lord's Supper, they still didn't even understand you. They, they still weren't tracking with what you were trying to, to tell them. Um, but they were, they were going to. So Lord, thank, thanks for being patient with us as you were patient with your disciples. Open our eyes that we might see. Change us from our core. Change us deep, deep down, Lord. Because trying to make things happen on the outside, just it's not working for us. We need your scripture. We need to hear your story more. We need to confess sin. We need to repent. We need to pray. We need to go back to those first days of being saved and the simplicity of that calling. We want to be your type of leader. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Church, when you're ready, come down front. You'll hear uh, our